Welcome to episode 586 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Welcome back. Well, yeah, for both of us. I know. Well, for me, mostly, because it's it's been another month for me. Not a whole month. For really? me. Yep. Yep. You had two shows without me, and we both missed last week. It's been a month. Yeah. Okay. I didn't realize it had quite been that long. Yeah, it's for been you, nuts. It's been nuts, but... It has. Um, hey, I got two Home On episodes out in the meantime, so that's a good thing, right? You did. It's great to have Home On back. <laughs> be nice if there was more pleasant news to to listen to on Oman. Uh, there's your, there's your uh yeah we'll talk about your, that yeah but there's there's your teaser for listening to the latest Oman. if you haven't listened yet go over to the digitalmediazone.com and download it because it's a dandy yikes <laughs> okay well if you're here for all of that uh movies music shows games entertainment news uh why don't we get into that if you would like to send us feedback you can find us on Twitter, which is actually how we got this piece of feedback tonight. But typically we get it through email at entertainment20 at the digitalmediazone.com. And so this tweet this week was from listener Bust Out. And he says, Hey, I just finished listening to episode 585. And I think you misunderstood the question by Tim about his Synology. And after I went back and reread the message from Tim, I think this commenter is 100% yeah, right. Yeah, I thought you did too, actually. <laughs> so uh, the, the Twitter comment goes on to say, I think he was asking how to back up to the cloud, not how to back up his media to the Synology. I have an answer. I still use CrashPlan uh, because it is still less expensive. However... Synology does not support CrashPlan natively. There is a way to run it in Docker instead, but you need to know Linux and Docker as well to get it to work. I don't. I use a virtual machine and run it on Windows 11. That's a pretty decent solution too, if you know how to do that. He then provided a list of all of the cloud backup services that are natively supported by Synology, which it was a lot. And then went on to say to actually give a recommendation. He said Backblaze B2 is probably the most cost-effective option from that list. So there you go, Tim. I might not have understood what you were asking, but Bust Out and maybe every other listener of the podcast did know what you were asking. And fortunately, they were more helpful than I was. So <laughs> thank you, Bust Out, for providing some useful advice and feedback not just for me but for other listeners yeah i i mean i i, I think bustock gives a good option there it's also worth noting that there are multiple cloud integrations that you can load onto your synology and these are synology supported in fact synology created plugins or or apps that you can load on your Synology. So you can sync to other cloud services if you want to do that. Of course, that means that you might have to have all of the available storage there, and you may not because it's unlikely that you would have terabytes of storage on your, say, OneDrive or 
Google Drive or whatever, because that's not cheap. But right. if you're not talking about that and you want to selectively back stuff up, there are ways that you can synchronize content between your cloud services that you use every day and your Synology box as well. For sure. For sure. And we will definitely have a link to the entire thread from Bust Out on Twitter if you would like to, well, thank him directly or see that list of other natively supported backup services. Totally thank him because I I really appreciated that he kind of brought this to our attention. I, I when I listened, I thought about it and then I forgot. And so I'm I'm glad we had an opportunity to address it. For sure. So let's move on to the news. Richard, some kind of big news out of a Netflix uh quarterly you know uh what what are these called? Quarterly uh earnings earnings statements. Uh, earnings reports and earnings calls, basically. Yeah. yeah. And these normally, normally super boring. Not the kind of thing that we would be talking about. Nope. Nope. And we're not gonna talk about how much money they made. I don't know. I don't care. You might care because I, I think in a little bit of uh, I own stock. You own stock, so it's worth noting here before before we talk about that. FCC, stay away from us, or FTC, or whoever, SEC, whoever <laughs> would come after us for such things. Any government agency, there. All of the disclaimers are out of the way. Okay, so what's the news from this, from this typically boring meeting? Well, uh, there's a few things here. I'm going to start with the kind of bad news, I guess. For the first time in 10 years, Netflix lost customers, and not exactly an insubstantial number of customers in the first quarter alone they lost about 200,000 subscribers yeah no now, i i like can we temper that just yes, a little bit absolutely. right because that sounds awful right right <laughs> and particularly when you compare it to their target which was to add two and a half million new subscribers in that quarter so Ooh. net, they ultimately ended up losing subscribers. So they did add subscribers, but they lost more subscribers. Right. Now and to put it into even more perspective, right. They have two hundred twenty-two million subscribers. Right. So what is that? One, two, three, four orders of magnitude, maybe three, in difference. So it's point one. Percent point one percent, and now I'm going to go on a rant as a stockholder because my portfolio took a hit today. The stock went down thirty five percent. Thirty five percent. Thirty five percent. Because it went down point one percent. That is stockholders who don't know how to do math, which is a scary situation. <laughs> I mean, like, I should have been able to do that in my head, but I wasn't quite sure because they're such large numbers. So I did put it in a calculator, but it still wasn't that difficult to come up with the fact that it was actually only 0.1%. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what what were their reasons that they think they lost all of those subscribers? Well, they blamed it on stiff competition. Okay. I think that's valid. Uh, they blamed it on not being able to expand in certain areas due to technology blah. Um, okay, I guess that's why you theoretically couldn't add more people, but it doesn't explain why the people quit. Uh, and 
They also brought up uh, Netflix account sharing as factoring into that. I don't know exactly how that factors into that unless they've just started scaring people into quitting by talking about the fact that they're going to start trying to figure out a way to monetize account sharing. Not not even so much cracking down on account sharing. Like I I never heard anything that made it sound like they were threatening to just cancel people's subscriptions right. for account sharing. They're just looking for ways to how do we make some money off of this? Because they think that while they've got 222 million subscribing households, that they've got another 100 million other households that are watching by sharing an account from someone else. This doesn't surprise me at all. Everybody that I know, maybe <laughs> not everybody, but everybody that I know says, oh yeah, my mom uses my Netflix account or, you know, fill in your favorite relative or uh, somewhat related neighbor or friend here. I, you know how I feel about this. I don't do this. Neither do I. But I, I mean... Come on. And and again, right? Like people are reacting negatively to the fact that, oh yeah, they're going to come down and maybe not even enforce their terms of service, but <laughs> make you pay up. Right. So they, they are investigating ways to, again, to monetize account sharing. And so they've actually already started one way of doing this. In Chile, Costa Rica and Peru, they've started a program where you can pay to have up to two sub accounts. So like if you've got a an adult child who lives in another city, you can make a sub account for that child and be billed $3 extra per month. That seems like a pretty decent price to pay to be put into to, to be put in line with the terms of service yeah, and still yeah, have access. Completely reasonable. I swear we talked about this before. Maybe I'm just imagining it because I heard Tom and Brian talk about it at some point in time. But uh, I mean, this seems completely reasonable to me and smart, again, as a stockholder, smart, get more revenue in. I also want to mention, and maybe you were planning on going here as well, you know, this just happens to fall in the same quarter that they raised prices again. Right. They didn't mention that. No. Amazing that they didn't mention that. That couldn't couldn't have had anything to do with any of those people leaving. Yeah. The the top tier, which is the one that I pay for so that I get 4K, is now $20 a month in the US. That's it's a lot of money. Yeah. But it is our most used service in our house. Yeah. Well, yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it's interesting because I, I listened to uh, today, I listened to Mollywood and Jason Kokanis on This Week in Startups go down a serious rat hole of just about how bad the content is on Netflix compared to all of the premium content you can get on other services for much less money. And I kind of agree. I mean, there are good shows, but certainly not as there, there's also a lot of crap out there, a lot of crap sure. out there. But all that matters is do they have the content that you wanted to watch? Right. It doesn't matter how good 
Apple TV Plus is and how good all of their originals are if Jen wants to watch The Good Place. It's on Netflix. It's not on Apple TV Plus. So, like, I I get that a lot of these other services, HBO, Apple TV, um, Disney, Hulu, they, they are making some really great originals for sure. But at the end of the day, if that's not what you care about, <laughs> and Netflix has the things that you do care about, and there's a pretty decent chance they do because they have so much stuff that that's what you're going to pay for, right? Yeah, I, I suppose. <laughs> now, you could absolutely make the argument of, well, you're wasting your time watching any of that stuff, and you should just switch to one of these cheaper services and watch some of their originals because it'd be a better use of your time. Well, that would uh, that's be a valid argument. hypocritical of me because I'm not <laughs> dumping my Netflix subscription. So, <laughs> Right. I mean, I would kind of like to because, yeah, 20 bucks a month seems kind of crazy, and I would rather... I'm just not willing to pay for all of the services all the time. And, you know, the nice thing is that they're all month to month contracts. So you don't have to, but I, so, you know, there's definitely stuff on HBO that yeah, I would like to watch. Something and like that. that Molly said today that I thought was really interesting is that she dropped her 4k support. Cause she asked herself, do I really need that? I mean, am I really, all that concerned about my Netflix content and what I'm watching on Netflix coming in in 4K, does that really matter to me? And the answer was no. And I thought that was a really intelligent perspective on things. I have 4K service from Netflix because I can. And (laughs) do I need it? Do I need four streams, which comes with that? No, there's two of us in this house. I don't need four (laughs) uh, streams. And I just mentioned that I don't share my account with anyone else. So, yeah. No, that, that's a good point. I should definitely look at cutting mine back because I'm the only person who would care about it being in 4K. <laughs> no one else in my house does. Right. It could be 720p and they would not care. Right. And, and I'm not the one who's watching most of it. So why am I paying for 4K? Good Maybe I should scale tip. it back. Yeah. Thank you, Molly. Yeah. Good idea. Good idea. All right. One last thing here. Reed Hastings, the co-CEO of the company, said that they're also looking at adding an ad-supported tier, which they've never done. It's never, ever had ads. And they did talk about how part of the reason for that is it's complicated to try and do ads well, especially in movies and things like that. And But, but they're going to look at it because it works. Many of their competitors have ad-supported tiers, and if they were to offer an ad-supported tier for a far lower cost, then they probably wouldn't lose 200,000 subscribers a quarter, which is an unfair statement because it's not like they're losing 200,000 every quarter. They did it for one quarter. Right. But, <laughs> but I mean, two things there. One, they did predict that they expect to continue losing subscribers over the next couple quarters because of how things are trending. Of course. They stop service to customers in Russia. They're obviously going to lose customers in Ukraine. Um, what? What? The other thing is that I, I don't know. I, I think that for an ad-supported tier to work, there, a they have to do it right, and b they have to make sure that they're not going to end up losing full paid customers to that lower price tier because 
Sure, you're not going to lose subscribers, but if they downgrade to an ad-supported tier because they're okay with that, now you're losing revenue. Right. Well, maybe. I mean, there are some ad-supported services out there that make more money. Well, that's a fair point. The, the ad-supported yep, yep, yep. plans. That's a fair point. I forgot. I, in saying that, I totally forgot that, oh, right, the ads would make revenue. Right. <laughs> Right, but we just wouldn't have any idea whether they would actually be making more money from people like that or people like you and me who are pointlessly giving them $20 a month for 4K services and four streams that we don't need. Well, yeah, we would because they're a public company and we'll hear about it in one of their earnings calls next year. Right, because they never do anything to try and hide those numbers (laughs) by mixing different things together and things like that. Yeah. so. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, It doesn't sound like it's going to be anything soon because they're saying that it could launch in the next year or two. With that big of a time horizon, I'm kind of surprised they even brought it up this early. I think they brought it up to tame the news of the reduction in subscribers. Well, that worked out real well for them. What was that? 35% stock dropped today? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helped. All right. Well, that's it for all of the crazy news out of Netflix. Let's move on to Tableau news, which at first I thought was going to be a small story until I read more of it. This is from Cordcutters News. So we we reported at, as part of our CES coverage at the beginning of the year, the Tableau announced and was working on a four-tuner ATSC 3.0 over-the-air DVR. And Reminder that ATSC 3.0 is the new over-the-air standard that supports all sorts of features, but the ones that you're most interested in are 4K, HDR, things like that. There's lots of other crazy things that it could do in the future that it might do in the future, probably won't, but those are the main things. 4K, uh, HDR, and then you know newer and more efficient audio and video codecs that they're using behind the scenes. So Tableau announces a $300 four-tuner device. Looks awesome. Hope to have it out in the spring. Started taking pre-orders. Well, this week, they sent out a message to all of the people who have pre-ordered it to tell them, hey, we're sorry, but we have to delay this. And we're going to have to delay it by months because in the last few weeks, Sinclair, one of the big TV conglomerates in the United States, decided, uh, how about we start using DRM on our ATSC3 over-the-air broadcast? And it was like a record scratch over at the Tableau offices, apparently. (laughs) So they now have to build in support for DRM in this thing, and... Uh, apparently, this is not something they can just do via a firmware update. They're saying that the decryption keys to support DRM need to be installed during the manufacturing process. So they have to do that on all of these boxes, build the decryption software, test all of that, ideally test it in the real world, but None of these broadcasters are using it yet, although some of them are planning to as early as this summer. So again, they're they're anticipating this delay to last several months, which in in my, you know, the the way that I do 
uh, math on these types of estimates means maybe by the end of the year, maybe. And it, and it really sucks for these customers because it, it just seems like it kind of came out of nowhere. Although I did a little bit more digging because I wondered, what about all of the people who've already purchased the HD Home Run Flex 4K, which is also a quad tuner from HD Home Run, although only two of those tuners are ATSC3. Does that tuner support uh, DRM? Because people have already purchased those. Like I have a friend who has one in his house right now. (laughs) It does. They already have keys on there. They went into the manufacturing process anticipating this. So this, the idea that that was a possibility uh, was not completely, uh, you know, it, that, that didn't just come out of nowhere. Right. It's, it's part of the spec, I guess. But I think Tableau must have made the calculation, no one's ever put DRM on ATSC 1.0 content. Why would they start doing it now? Leave it to Sinclair. Sinclair. Yeah, Sinclair said, well, we would love to. (sighs) So that really sucks. And hopefully they'll be able to get this worked out quickly. Hopefully what HD Home Run is saying will work out well for them. And and the the stuff that they've put into their tuner will support everything that these uh, broadcasters are planning to do. We'll find out within the next few months if Sinclair does actually start turning on DRM as early as this summer. So we'll keep an eye on this and keep you all posted. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> this not good. This is a mess. This is a mess for them. It's I think it was a reasonable bet. I don't think they made a mistake necessarily. Kudos to Silicon Dust for anticipating this, but wow. I, this yeah. is the kind of thing you know, on the recent episode of Homan, we talked about Kaleidoscape, and I don't know that we've ever talked about it on this show, but that probably was, it was that, a, that's one of those companies that like yeah s- straddles the gap between these two shows yeah, because it, that's right. home media. It was a pro install product that was essentially like a pro version of a. Uh, Plex server that it right. it allowed you to rip your content and make it available throughout your home, and they kept on getting shut down every turn they made because they kept on getting sued or new types of DRM were coming into play, and it was just a constant battle. And I hope, I really hope, the Tableau doesn't end up in that sort of situation, or that this ends up being something that they just can't. Like, like, like it's too big a hurdle for them to get over. Right. So let me throw this one at you. Let's say you, you would have been able to buy this already. You paid your 300 bucks, you got your DVR. And then in July, it stopped working for some broadcast. That really sucks. Now, let's say for Christmas, you spend $2,000 on a TV with an ATSC 3.0 tuner and it doesn't work this summer. Well, Right. And so do we know, I don't, do we know anything about ATSC 3.0 TVs? Are they planning for this? They, they've they got to be, right? I think there are already some out. Right. But they've got to be planning for this possibility of DRM, right? You would hope I, so. I, right. Yeah. You, you would hope that like Samsung and 
you know, the the really big guys would be planning for that sort of but thing. But that's not going to be in the product description. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and even if it were, they would come up with their own branding for it. Oh, God. Branded <laughs> DRM. Right. Yeah, that was called Divix. Yeah. Uh, Galaxy 4K TV on your Samsung TV or something stupid like that. Yeah. All right. So we'll keep an eye on that and maybe see if we can find out if any TVs are currently shipping tuners that support this and, and let you know in the future. But moving on to the next story, FIFA, the big, super corrupt soccer organization in the world. Oh, not the, uh, not the uh, video game? Well, the, the the video game is based on the the corrupt. Oh, there's a real thing. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. Yeah, cool. it's a real thing. Cool. It's a real governing body, a real corrupt sports organization, yeah. just like the Olympic Committee, uh, <laughs> except it's only for soccer. But, so, but but is is FIFA a not for profit organization like the NFL? The NFL's a not for profit. Yeah. What? Totally. Yeah. Yes. Is that That's insane? insane. That's totally insane. <laughs> yes. Huh. Interesting. Well, anyway, so FIFA, the the governing body over real football, uh, they're launching their own, have launched, actually, it's already available, their own live, not live, well, yes, live streaming service. It's a video streaming service for football. And when we say football, we mean football as the rest of the world calls it, or as we here in the U.S. call it, soccer. So. This the service is going to do all of the things that you would well most of the things you would expect it to do live streams of lots of men's and women's soccer matches they're going to have their own original series documentaries you can watch archived matches which this is actually kind of cool one of my friends was telling me uh, that they have archived matches back from when uh, they were recorded in black and white and they've superimposed over top of them scoreboards like digital scoreboards like we would have nowadays and they've rendered those in black and white too so it looks like it just fits in like i love that <laughs> that's kind of cool that's great uh, they'll also have news and fantasy leagues that you can participate in through the series or through the the service eventually their plan is to show four thousand live matches every single month that's an insane amount of football it's currently free like you might have been thinking, well, this sounds like it's going to be a fortune. It's not. It's a free ad supported service. But probably the biggest reason it's free right now is they don't have matches from the, the big high profile European teams like English Premier League soccer isn't available here. Uh, MLS in the US, it's not available on this service. The World Cup that is happening this summer also will not be available. On this service, the NFL's big, 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 big time money in the US, uh, th these soccer slash football leagues in Europe and stuff, way bigger in terms of money. And there are multi year agreements with pay TV providers to air all of that stuff in those countries. So the streaming service isn't going to get access to most of that stuff for probably years. So this will be a great service for watching not those matches depending on how many of those matches you actually want to watch but there might be four thousand of them a month for you to watch <laughs> weird so if you want to watch the things that aren't popular um you can do that here i guess i guess weird <laughs> yeah all right and then one other real quick video update we we had talked i think it was last year 
um, Amazon like bought IMDb and IMDb had its own streaming service that brief. Now I'm forgetting the other terrible name that it had at one point. Um, they changed it back to IMDTB. And this is one of those completely free ad supported movie and TV streaming services. And like I said, they just named it IMDB TV, even though Amazon owned it. And I remember when they did this, that we thought, yeah, that's, that's fine. I guess like, cause people know IMDB, I guess, but it's still not a great name. Right. Wasn't so this they renamed Govee it or something like that. I don't something like that. Yeah. yeah. But I think even worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but maybe not worse than the new name because the new name is Amazon free V F R E E V E E. As opposed to TV it's free V. Uh, yeah. Nice. Great. Great. That's, that's awesome. Well, whatever. Does it matter? Does it really matter? I mean, if you have an Amazon Fire TV, this is built into your Amazon experience anyway. This is only going to show up for you if you actually have a device that has a separate app for it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I See, what I thought you were going to ask is, does it matter if they change the name of a service that nobody uses? <laughs> But but people probably do actually. Yeah, I I am not convinced that it's a nobody uses situation. I mean, I I think that there are people, and we talked about this before. There there are demographics like college students and so forth who are going to take advantage of free services because they're free. And yeah, yeah, you have to watch an ad. Okay, whatever. But I get to watch this movie with Jim Belushi that I can't see anywhere else or, you know, whatever the random movie happens to be. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's probably a fairly prominent service on those Amazon Fire TV devices would be my guess, but I don't have one. Okay. So let's move on to our only audio news story of the week. And that is sticking with the Amazon family of services. Amazon's Spotify competitor, Amazon Music Unlimited, is seeing their its subscription fee increase for the first time. Now, they have about 17 different plans here, and only some of them had a price increase. <laughs> Not 17. Really? <laughs> it's a bunch. So their single device plan is increasing from $3.99 a month to $4.99 a month. The Amazon Music Unlimited individual plan. Which is the is, primary plan that most people would have. Right. Right. That one is increasing from $7.99 a month to $8.99 a month if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber. I don't even know what it costs if you're not. It's $2 more if you're not a subscriber. So it was $9.99. So, yeah. and Does it matter? Because is anybody a subscriber to this who isn't an Amazon Prime subscriber? Well, I... Yeah, that's a really (laughs) good question, actually. That's a really good question. I don't know. It may depend on where they get their music. Like, for example, the only built-in music app on my last car was Amazon Music. That's crazy to me. Right. Wow. Yep. Okay. So the the yearly cost on that individual plan is going up from $79 to $89. That's right in line with everything else there. Pricing is not changing on their student plan or their family plans. and. All of these new prices go into effect 
on May 5th. So just a couple of weeks from now. So I have to tell you, I am really glad that this happened. Why is that? Well, because I forgot that I'm still subscribing to Amazon Music (laughs) and I really don't need it. So this was a reminder to me when I was notified that my price was going up that, oh yeah, I'm still spending money on a service that I don't use. So I canceled it. I forgot that you switched from this. What did you switch to? Did you go to Apple Music? I did. I did. I went to the Apple Music family plan. Okay. That makes sense. That totally makes sense for you. All right. Well, gaming news doesn't typically make sense for you. So I'll take over these next couple of stories. Thank you. Uh, So although this, this first one you might have a little bit of an interest in. So in the last couple of weeks, both Microsoft and Sony have talked about how they are exploring adding in-game ads specifically to free-to-play games. So to to offer that as yet another revenue model, because most free-to-play games think Fortnite. Make money by either selling a battle pass, that's the, the Fortnite model, or selling microtransactions, whether that's different avatars, different weapons, you know, all, all that sort of junk for your typical free-to-play games. And it works, but, you know, new models are, are also nice. Now, they're not talking about just going bonkers here and throwing ads all over the place. At least Microsoft isn't. So when Microsoft gave their example, they said that we would want to see this in ways that actually fit into the gaming environment. So their example was, if you're playing a racing game and you're racing down streets, well, streets regularly have billboards. So what if we just put real life ads on those billboards? I think that makes sense. I'm totally fine with that. That totally makes sense. Yeah, for real. I mean, I wasn't wasn't there already a game that was doing this? I I could have sworn what's the what's the game that's so controversial like a uh, like car stealing thing? Oh, Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. I thought they were doing this already. I don't think Grand Theft Auto is. I know some electronic arts games, some EA sports games have put some advertising into their games. And I don't remember the exact models that they did, um, but it got people angry enough that they ended up removing them from the game. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah. But I wonder how they were doing that. Like I play NHL all the friggin' time. And if there were ads on the boards, like as there should be. I wouldn't care. Like, right, because I'm that would make it that. more realistic. Exactly. Exactly. Now, all of that would be fine. But Sony also talked about looking into models where players would get rewarded with in-game items for watching ads during games, which sounds exactly like the sort of crap that you have to deal with in most mobile games. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, that's I don't a- want that. Absolutely awful. That's never ever implemented well yeah that that would suck do not want do not want um microsoft did say that they would not be taking a cut of the advertising revenue either which is kind of amazing sony didn't announce whether or not they would but sony uh apparently is not interested in dealing with advertisers who collect personal information i'm not exactly sure how that works because that's how advertisers tend to make a lot of the money from it. Not just, oh, you saw that ad and went and bought the thing. A lot of times it's you saw the ad and you did something 
to interact in some way, and they got your email address or something like that. Sony doesn't want to do that, but apparently they are potentially interested in making you watch videos to get in-game content. Both of those suck, in my opinion. Yeah. So I, it sounds like we could be seeing this within the year. And again, depending on how they do that, I think it's a good thing. Like, it's really expensive to make games nowadays. So uh, to to have more revenue models that aren't super smarmy and gross, that still allow games to be made for the, the game makers to make the money that they should, and for people to get games at free or you know low cost, uh, that sounds win-win to me, if it's done well. Right, that's the big if. Slippery slope. This could be terrible. For sure. All right, last quick gaming story, and that is if you've been using a PlayStation 5 DualSense controller to play games on your PC, which is a a super realistic thing here because over the last year or so, Sony has been publishing some of their first-party games on PC. So you can play God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn. They're all in the Steam store now and some of the other stores. So it would make sense for you to play with a PlayStation controller. But up until now, if you've had a DualSense controller, the only way to update the firmware on it was to plug it into a PlayStation 5, which if you only bought the controller to play on your PC, that's meant that you've had no way of updating the firmware. So if there have been new features added and things like that, or even just bug fixes or battery life improvements, things like that, you wouldn't have been able to get those without having a PS5, which you might not have for a couple of reasons. Maybe you only play games on PC and you don't want a PS5 to begin with, or you don't have a PS5 because they're impossible to buy. Well, the solution is now fixed. Uh, Sony has put out uh, a an app that you can put on your PC that will allow you to plug the controller in and get the firmware updates straight to your controller from the PC. We've got a link to an article that tells you how to do it, what the app is, and all of that stuff. Um, so, so good news there if you fall into this category. All right, well, that's it for our news. So, Richard, let's get into what's going on in our entertainment centers. All right, well, it's been a while. It's been a month. So I'll try and keep this brief. So, <laughs> so the first thing that I wanted to talk about was that uh, I, we were watching TV through YouTube TV. I mentioned that I subscribed to that. And at some point in time, I hadn't even noticed it really. I guess I had, but it didn't register. Ever brought to my attention that for locals, we were watching Detroit stations. Detroit? Yeah. <laughs> why is that the default? I have no idea why that's what we were watching. So I went into the settings and you can identify your location. And sure enough, it had a zip code that was in a region that was not where we lived. So I went to go and try to change it. And oh my God, what a hassle that was. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I tried to go through the process to get it to acknowledge my actual location because you have to do some sort of verify like like uh an authentication process with two factor and you have to allow cookies and you have to allow 
location and it wasn't working at all in one browser, but I, and of course you can't do this in the app because you know, you're, you're no, you have to go to a web browser somewhere. Eventually I had to go to a web browser on my computer using a different browser than I normally would that was completely clean. And then it all worked like with no cruft for me generally using Google or YouTube or anything. So finally got that wow. set up. And now I have locals to the DC area, which I'm very excited about. And also, you know, happier home. So that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I can understand why they make this a little bit challenging because they don't want people just changing it repeatedly so that they can watch sports in different cities and right, then switch it to right. sports no, in that, another that's city. exactly right. And in fact, you can only change this a certain number of times a year. So every time that it wasn't working, I was getting very concerned that <laughs> somehow I was counting toward like this shutoff where they're like, nope, sorry, you failed the test too many times. Right. But luckily that was not the case. So I also learned that you can arrange your YouTube TV lineup any way that you want it. You also have to do that on a browser, but that's really nice because I could hide stations and I could put all the sports ball stations at the bottom of the list and put the stuff that I cared about at the top of the list. So that worked out really nicely. Uh, as far as stuff that I've watched, well, it's been a while, but I may have been one of the few people y'all know that watched the Academy Awards and the slap heard around the world live. So that was fun. I've also been uh, catching up on a bunch of shows that I haven't watched in a while. So uh, this is us. I am still catching up on episodes there. I am caught up on Card. That has been interesting. Good. Not great, but good. Been uh, catching up on episodes of Bill Maher and caught up on uh, Last Week Tonight. And then... Started a couple, or restarted, I should say, a couple shows that I either hadn't watched before or hadn't watched in a while. So the first is a show called The After Party, recommended by the guys on the Home Tech Podcast who've been talking about it for weeks because they say that in this show, they represent like home technology properly for the first time ever that they've ever seen, like they must've had somebody on the production crew that knew how home tech is supposed to work in <laughs> like a pro installed integrated home. So I'm, I'm watching it solely because I'm curious about that. <laughs> it's actually a slow, slow slog. So I don't know if I'm going to get through it or not, but uh, yeah. Uh, started severance. Because everybody is talking about Severance on Apple TV. And wow, oh, wow, oh my, that show is so dark. So, so, so dark. I'm a little more than halfway through. I will absolutely be finishing it, but wow. Um, glad I'm watching it. It's good. I restarted, actually, Edward and I both restarted watching A Discovery of Witches, a series on. Uh, I, I believe it was originally on Sundance 
and it was available on the AMC or AMC Plus apps. Well, it turns out I get a year free on AMC Plus by subscribing to Fios at my new home. Well, that's cool. Right? So I signed up for AMC Plus and said, hey, there's a discovery of witches. We started watching that over a year ago. We should get back to that. So we did. And we're almost through season one and really enjoying that. Also getting back to Doctor Who, but I don't have my TiVos set up where I recorded it. So we've been watching episodes that we've been buying on Apple TV to keep up with it. And I got back to The Expanse, which I'm really, really glad about because that series is so good. And I finished season three. Frankly, they could have had an entire show, an entire, like, this is the title. This is The Expanse, seasons one through three, and it would have been satisfying. I don't even know what to expect in season four. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to starting that. We watched two movies in this last month. First one was a rewatch of an old Mel Brooks film, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Why? A friend of ours was over and mentioned, hey, have you watched Blazing Saddles recently? We're like, no, probably not in like 20 years. Right. <laughs> so she, she's like, yeah, you probably should. You might be a little shocked. So we did. This show would never, never, n- this movie would never get produced today. No. No, none of those Mel Brooks shows would, or movies would. Unbelievable. <laughs> I wish you all could see the look on Richard's face Un- as he's trying to talk about this. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm uncomfortable talking about it. The, <laughs> the, the pejorative language in the first 10 minutes and how many times they go there with words you just don't say now. It was just staggering uh, unbelievable uh, yeah so anyway so we watched that and then to this past weekend we watched death on the nile the new death on the nile with gal gadot and an amazing lineup uh, on the cast and we thoroughly enjoyed it. it it was the latest remake of the agatha christie classics and i hope they do more because i think they're doing a good job with them and uh, I thought it was worth mentioning that I am finally caught up on podcasts for the first time after, I don't know, since you and I were in North Carolina for CES. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's been a while. That's... All right. <laughs> That's what I've been up to. What have you been doing in your entertainment center? Yeah. So um, I was traveling last week for the first time in a long while. I normally am really good at planning for the flight. Like I'm normally good at, at planning for my entire trip. I'm I'm good at packing all of the clothes that I need plus extras, any technology that I I would need plus extras. Often Jen packs snacks for you plus extras. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know the situation well. <laughs> and I and that typically means, you know, loading up my iPad or whatever with a couple of movies, a few TV shows. Um, maybe getting some audiobooks and stuff on my phone, all of that sort of stuff. I didn't do any of that. I completely spaced out and forgot to do any of that. So I get on the plane and realize I don't have anything to watch. I <laughs> intentionally caught up on all of my podcast because I did download an audiobook 
but I started listening to it on the way to the airport and hated it. Oh. And and even if I wanted to listen to any of those things, I forgot my noise canceling headphones for the plane. I didn't bring wired headphones that I could have plugged in to the in-flight entertainment. Ugh. I had nothing. It was terrible. So I'm like just playing games on my iPad and my phone, like just whatever games I had, which I don't normally play that many games on either of those. So it was kind of a boring two and a half hour flight. Uh, and it also means that I didn't really watch or play much over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, I, I did play some NHL and some Call of Duty like normal. But in terms of watching things, I did watch one movie, Black Widow. I got back from, from my trip and was tired and didn't, didn't really want to do much uh, of just watch something. And the, the kids weren't home yet, but I knew they were going to be home. Like they were going to come home while I was watching it. So I didn't want it to be something like horribly violent and, you know, disturbing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I went to Disney plus and went, oh yeah, Black Widow looked interesting and I haven't seen it. Let's watch that. It was decent. (laughs) <laughs> like it was it was it was a decent marvel movie they didn't they didn't try and do too much they uh i i was interested in the character development stuff i thought that was that was all decent um i the, the, i thought the special effects were really good especially the, the you know the last major scenes and stuff where all the things are happening it looked amazing as you would expect from a marvel movie but uh, when talking with a friend of mine about it, because I didn't even remember what the what the major critical response was after this movie came out, he reminded me, yeah, the the timing for this was just all wrong, um, yeah. because of major events that happened near the end of the the major MCU movie series. I believe an event that happened in the last one. For this movie to come out after that, th- there's kind of major things that happen that don't make any sense like that happened in the movie that don't make any sense based on what happened in the show which takes place before those movies happened right right so that that is kind of, kind of weird and seems like a pretty big miss on their part but it was a miss that was the result of covid it was it was a miss that was a result of not getting movies into theaters not really. I thought it was. I thought I thought this was an issue because they they had to stage things differently than they originally intended to as a result of COVID. They definitely did have to do that. But I I can't I don't want to get into the major plot thing just in case okay. people haven't seen and the I last couple yeah. of Marvel movies. Okay. Yeah. So so I don't want to give that stuff away. And like at the end of the day, they're Marvel movies. It doesn't really matter if if the plot perfectly lines up between all of these things. They're just superhero movies. But it is kind of like, oh yeah, you're right. That is kind of dumb. Um, once once you've seen this, which I still can't believe you haven't watched the last couple of Marvel movies. What are you waiting for? Well, I, I haven't. I, I, the, I saw Endgame. That was the last Marvel movie I've seen. Is that the last one? That like was the last the, major one. That was the last, like major the last one. major Avenger. Like one. I haven't seen Shang Chi. I haven't. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't okay. seen Black Widow. I haven't seen Doctor, uh, whatever his name is. 
that one's not out yet. Uh, that, that comes out soon. <laughs> Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. There you go. I thought it yeah. was in theaters. Wasn't it in theaters? No. Mm-mm. Oh, no. okay. The the Spider-Man movie oh, was. Right. Ooh, we said that we were going to watch that and talk oh, about yeah. that. I bought it. You bought I it. I have it. So we need to watch it and talk about it. Okay, we should we should actually schedule that because I do really want to see it soon because I think it's pretty important for uh watching the Doctor Strange movie because Doctor Strange is in it like he's fairly important in that Spider-Man movie from right. what I understand. Um, and I, I actually like Dr. Strange. Like I actually want to see the Dr. Strange yeah. movie that's coming out soon. So I'll, I'll watch that Spider-Man movie. I did get another tip on that Spider-Man movie. Have you seen all of the other Spider-Man movies? I have seen all of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. But you haven't seen the, the, the non-Tom Holland ones? I saw the first spider-man series i did not see the second spider-man series with the other actor yeah who i i yes i know what you're talking about i have the amazing spider-man movies i did not yeah. see the amazing spider-man movies because i'm like really already really <laughs> right so what i was told is if you haven't seen all of them like you don't have to go and watch all of them that seems ridiculous some people would probably tell you that was basically Go find yourself a YouTube like catch up video. Makes sense. That 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 fills you in on those. That it will be helpful. You'll get more from this movie by knowing more about what happened in all of those other ones. Which is pretty cool if it they're is. referencing back to like past mythology from past tellings of this story, right? Like And it's it's way deeper than just references. Cool. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good. So I won't tell you any more than that. Um, but yeah, we should we should schedule some time where we would both watch that in the same week or whatever, so that we can talk about it and probably have Jen on. Like it probably would make sense to have Jen on that oh, episode. We need too. to totally do that. Yeah, she would love that. Okay, so that's it for what I've watched and played. I do have a little bit of hardware to talk about. I got my Sofa Baton X1 Universal Remote from Kickstarter. I think everybody who bought it on Kickstarter has theirs by now. I got mine. It's it's not been a great experience, which I think is what most people are saying. It's the the app is a mess. I don't really care that much about the app being a mess because I'm going to use the remote most of the time, not the app. I I can deal with the setup experience not being fantastic as long as the remote the remote experience is good. It has not been. I'm not going to go into all of the specifics right now because it would take me a long time, and it's now been a couple of weeks since I've even used it. Um, But I had lots of issues where it wouldn't turn everything on, or it wouldn't set the inputs correctly, all of that sort of crap, which you, you know, it has to do those things perfectly every time, or else it's not a good universal remote. Um, I had problems with that. Then eventually the battery died, because I don't think I fully charged it. And when the battery died, I don't know if it's because the battery died or what, but it lost its connection to the hub. So now I've got to like repair it to the hub. Oh, you have to be kidding me. I I hope that this is just kind of a one-off thing and it's not just because the battery died. <laughs> like that's kind of nuts. Uh, and like I said, I was traveling last week, so I've not had time to reset it up. If you really want to hear a much more in-depth explanation of the pros and the cons of this remote, 
Go and listen to AV Rant episode 802. Rob H. has one. He goes very in-depth on all of the good things and the bad things, and I think he gives it a very fair uh, uh, reporting slash review of of how it's been working out for him. And he's fairly optimistic about it, more so than I would have expected. Um, so go go and check that out, and then I will, once I get everything hopefully working again on mine, I'll I'll come back and report more on my experiences with it. But it's not been great, I can tell you that. We are currently using the Harmony remote, not this. <laughs> mm, which is a great remote. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I'm told it's rude to say I told you so. So that, this, just, I, this wasn't an I told you so situation. Like, I didn't say, oh, this is going to be better than the Harmony. No, but was- I, 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 I had no confidence in this from the beginning. <laughs> We'll we'll see. I'll I'll get it all set up again. See how it works out. Uh, like there's there's things about the hardware that I don't like, um, but they're not deal breakers. If the rest of this will work out. So anyway, that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center. Also, so if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can tweet us at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at Digimedia Zone, and go over to the website www.thedigitalmediazone.com. Find all the show notes for with links to everything that we're talking about, plus those last couple of episodes of Home On. Richard's Home Automation Show is back. Richard, what, what was the last episode about? Well, so, you know, there's not really much news going on these days <laughs> in the smart home space, except Insteon is gone. Oh. Yeah. Company that I've loved over the years that I worked for in the past couple of years, periodically gone. So that was fun. Uh, so anyway, Seth Johnson joins me from the home tech podcast. And we talk about that and some other stuff going on in the news, but who cares? And um, <laughs> smart home is dead. <laughs> right. Seriously. And uh, we also talk about projects that we're doing in our, homes we pick a project and kind of go into detail about it so it was fun it was a good episode yeah it was it was a good episode all right well that is going to do it for episode 586 he's richard gunther and i'm josh pollard thanks for listening to entertainment 2.0 adios goodbye